Tired of friends who bring you down? Do you need to cut someone out of your life? Are you unsure how to do it? The Defriender app can help. It blocks negative messages and annoying tweets. It declines invites to places that can lead you down the wrong path. And it kicks out all the bad influences in your life. What are you waiting for? Download the Defriender app and start life fresh today. All right, well, welcome, everybody, to the fourth and final week in our hashtag refriending series. And if you're just joining us here today for the first time, we're talking about how to get our relationships in order because what we agreed in the very, very beginning is that nothing will... Nothing will impact the quality and satisfaction of our lives more than the quality and satisfaction of our relationships. Relationships good, life good. Relationships bad, life bad. So what we've been doing over the past three or four weeks is talking about how we can get our relationships in order and what it is, what it is that we may need to do to go past that superficial level of relationship, which we have so many of, Facebook friends, Twitter friends, acquaintances, and how to get to the level of depth that we all desire so deeply within us that's built inside of us, programmed there by God. Today is the final message in the series, and today, I'll be honest, is the hardest message of them all for me personally. And the reason why this message is so hard for me, those who know me know, I'm a black or white kind of a guy. Back in school, I liked math. Because math, there's a right answer, and there's a wrong answer. I didn't like English. English was always my worst grades because I thought I deserved an A, but apparently the teacher's opinion is more valuable than my opinion as a ninth grader, and he decided I deserved a C. The only classes I ever didn't get A's or B's in was them English ones where it could go either way. I like math. One plus one is two every single time I check. I like things to be either right or wrong. Sin or not sin. Unfortunately, the topic I'm going to talk about today there is no black or white. There is no necessarily right or wrong. It's a very gray area, and it's the area of unfriending. Y'all are on Facebook. Y'all are on Twitter. Y'all know how it goes. The beginning, when you're on, you're trying to accumulate friends. Accumulate friends. And you say yes to requests, and you have as many friends as possible. Why? Because friends, if you're not into Facebook or Twitter, is how you determine value in life. The more friends you have, the more valuable they are. The less friends you have, the more unvaluable you are in life. Apparently, those are the rules. So you want as many friends as you got. But then sometimes there's some friends, and then you fill in the blank, that post too much or that uh, are always going on rants about something dumb and you don't really care. Or they're always posting about their latest adventure in, in coffee shops, and you don't really care. And you find their post, they think it's funny, you find it highly annoying. So at some point in time, when you can't take it no more, you click on the button that says, unfriend. And then you hope you don't see them in the next 24 hours. And the second that you click unfriend, or unfollow in the Twitter world, the second you click unfriend, there's this sense of, uh, Joy and satisfaction because I have removed the annoying poster out of my life forever. 
I have erased his existence as far as I'm concerned. I never have to deal with his annoying tweets, his rants, his hashtag blessed, where everything in life is hashtag blessed. I never have to deal with him ever again. I have erased him out of my life, and I can move forward in my life. But unfortunately, that's not how real life works, does it? Unfortunately, in real life, there's no unfriend button. And I'll be honest, my personal experience, the one thing that keeps so many people stuck and unable to change their lives for the better in a way that they desire to so much and they want it, the reason they get stuck is because they can't unfriend. Hardest part of changing your life is changing your friends. And I can find you example after example after example of somebody who is ready to take that next step and reach that next level in their spiritual life, in their, in their, in their financial life, okay, in their life of maturity and just their life stage. And they're ready to take that step of, of quality in life, but their friends do what? They drag them back every single time. You got friends that you've been friends with, especially the longer you've been friends and the earlier you started the friends, the more dangerous this is. You got friends you've been friends with since third grade. You all get together, y'all eat, y'all laugh, y'all make fun of each other. That's the extent of it. There's nothing beyond it. You at some point in time say, I want a little bit more. For you to break the bonds that have been existing since middle school is going to be very difficult. You have a group of friends at your office, coworkers. Y'all get together every time around the water cooler. It's that boss and talk about her and say this about her and she did this and this and this. You want to break that trend. You realize I don't want to be a gossip. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to always be like in a discouraging, negative, complaining spirit. So you want to break it. That will be the hardest thing that you ever do. Why? Because all the forces are working against you. I have a friend of mine. I've known him for years. His nickname, I won't tell you his real name, his nickname when he was young, he got, I guess when he was young, he was dumb, like because all guys are dumb, okay? So he was dumb, and he used like a funny guy, and he had like a funny laugh, all right? And because of this funny laugh, they nicknamed him Hyena. Like, that was his nickname, and it was funny, and he was cool. He was Hyena, and he was always hanging out with the bad group. I hope nobody knows who that is, okay? <laughs> I. He was always hanging out with the wrong group, and they were kind of whatever, and he was hyena, the funny guy in the group, make people laugh, and he was hyena. And then eventually, you get past middle school, you get past high school, you hit a place of maturity. And he hit that point where he wanted to be like a normal person. But he couldn't because of his friends. Because of his friends, he's always hyena. And I told him, I said, you got to break away from this group, or you got to, I even told him, I said, you got to tell them, don't call me hyena anymore. You got to say my name is, and I won't say his name, let's say his name is Joe. You got to tell him, call me Joe. And my name is Joe from now on. But he couldn't. They couldn't accept anyone other than the one that they had grown up with so many years. So eventually, for this person, he had to make a decision. He had to click on friend, because that was the only way he was going to take the next step. Here's my question to you. You are who you are today, and like I've been saying from the beginning of this series, your friendships have a lot more influence over you than you realize. We want to say that they don't, but the truth is, is that they do. You realize you're at a point where your friends are influencing you in the wrong direction. That you, your persona is wrapped up in your friends. That the funny guy, the jokester guy, the we bash our husbands together ladies, the we gossip about our boss together group around the wall, your persona is wrapped up in this social circle that you're in. 
and you discover that you don't like who you are, what do you do? You click unfriend? Let me tell you the easy answer that is, let's just erase it right off the agenda right from now. The easy answer is we want to say is, no, I will change my friends. I'll change my friends. I will influence them. I will be the positive influence for them. That's a great answer. Bravo to you. That's not real. That's the alcoholic, okay, who says I need to stop drinking, but I'm going to go to the bar with my drinking buddies, and I'm going to be the positive light on them. Doesn't work that way. You're the alcoholic. You want to stop being an alcoholic? You got to get rid of the drinking buddies. You cannot continue in that. It's nice. It's idealistic that I will be the one to make the change, but realistically, more often than not, that fails. So what do you do when you realize your friends are pulling you in the wrong direction? Why say this is not black and white? Because the answer is the answer. Forget about your friends. Leave your friends. Who cares about your friends? We can't say that because that's the opposite of who Jesus was. Because Jesus was friend of sinners. And Jesus never shied away from people who were different than him. And he always saw people in a way that he could help the person. So what do we do? Do we be like Jesus and go help? But Jesus also had times where he kind of retreated. Don't we need to protect ourselves? What do we do? That's why I'm saying there's no easy answer. There's no, there's no clear cut one plus one is two in this situation. There's a natural tension that exists between these two different directions. I said from the very beginning of the series, this is our key thought, and this is our key verse. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You walk with the wise, you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I'm saying this every single week, that you walk with the wise, you become more wise. You walk with the fools, you become more of a fool. Especially, why this is so important, is the wiser you want to be, the higher you aspire to reach, the more that you want to be separate and greater and, and above the more this issue is important. Like if you have low aspirations, then it doesn't matter who you're friends with. But the minute you say, no, I want to be something special. I want to be above average. The higher you aim, the more careful you must be about who you choose to surround yourself with. Because you show me your, your friends, I will show you your future. Don't believe me? Look back in life. I bet you. If each one of us is honest and we look back at our lives and see the times that we got into the most trouble, mischievous, rarely is it a solo effort. I look back on the times in my life where I was walking the furthest, and I can clearly see that I had companions guarding my left and my right the whole way. Usually, the trouble is a group effort, and we love to combine on those kinds of things. I'll speak about me personally. Time I think about it, you ask me, when were you, when were you furthest from God? I tell you, I tell you exactly when it was. You draw a picture, tell you everything that's going on in my life. And if I look back on that time, I see it was a very clear struggle. Not at the beginning, not at the beginning, but eventually there was a struggle because I wanted to break free from this because I was the first one who said, I don't want this anymore. I want to get here. And I don't want to just say that my friends were there when I kept falling back. I want to be honest and say my friends were the ones who pulled me back. Because every time I would start to take this step, they'd say, ah, you know how it is. Ah, come on back. Ah. And you say, you know what? I mean, this is my boys. This is my friends. Like we've been friends since whatever. And you start all these things. And I want to tell you that the worst time of my life, I can pick point, pinpoint exactly who was there. To, dra to drag me back and suck me back into that hole every single time. 
until I hit the unfriend button. And I remember it vividly. There's a point in time in my life where, like I said, I'm trying to break free. And eventually, it wasn't even a group of friends. Eventually, it got to the point where it was really like one key friend. That's what it came down to. It came down to one key friend. Because I was able to get past and get past and maintain, okay, okay. But it was just one key friend. And I remember I had to make the decision to hit that unfriend button. That was the hardest decision I ever made. It was probably a decision that took me three months to make. Because I remember I would go to my spiritual father, and I'd explain to him, and he'd say, got to make the cut. And I'd say, okay, make the cut. And you know how it is. And you kind of, okay, you cut for Friday, then you're back on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? And then you cut for, eh, you know how it is. And this decision took me three months till finally I said, unfriend, delete from my life. And if you ask me, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. And I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that decision to click unfriend on that negative influence. Why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I had not chosen my friends carefully. Because let's be honest, most of us don't choose our friends carefully. Most of us, our friendships happen by chance. Just the people that we happen to be around, and we just kind of became friends along the way. And that's fine. You became friends by chance. But deepening that friendship is by choice. And it's a choice that you must choose carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully. That should I or should I not deepen the relationship with this person? Sometimes, as was in the case with mine, I got to the point where I said, unfriend. I didn't start with unfriend, and I'm not telling you to start with unfriend. It may start with redefine. It may decide, start with, you know, put a little space. But there may come a point in time where you try to put space, you try to redefine, and there's no other solution. You must hit unfriend. And are you willing to do that? The wise, the righteous, choose their friends carefully. Why this is so important? Because like I'm saying, I can't express, I can't say this strongly enough. The higher your aspirations in life to be, the more critical it is that you guard your friendships. Because, here's our key thought for today, it is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. What I say in the first week of this series, I said, if you want to soar with the eagles, you can no longer run with the turkeys. And too many of us, if I say, who you want to be in life? And we have all these eagles definitions of our life. Financially, this is where we want to be right here. We want to be debt-free. We want to be generous people. We don't want to be always burdened with debt and, and, and throwing our money down the toilet. And this is where we want to be. But the turkeys that we run with, every time we run with them, let's buy this. Let's go out to eat this. Let's go celebrate this. Now, don't worry about saving money. Just uh, enjoy the day. You want to soar with the eagles? Can't run with the turkeys. You say, here's what I want to get to spiritually. I don't want to no longer be one foot in, one foot out. I want to be, like, close to God. But the turkeys that you're running with, every time you say it's time to go to church, they're like, again? Didn't you just go, like, last week? Every time you want to make that step, your turkeys are pulling you down every single time. You cannot soar with the eagles if you are always running with the turkeys. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says it this way. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits.
Let me ask you a question. How come the inverse is not true? How come good company doesn't like fix evil habits? Right? I'm good company, okay? Your evil habits, sorry. Okay, Josh, I'll make you evil habits, okay? This is Josh, all right? He's evil habits, I'm good company. How I'm sorry, evil company, good habits. How come evil company ruins good habits? How come good habits can't fix evil company? Why? You want to know why? Josh, come here. Sorry. Everyone, this is Josh. He's my friend, okay? Shake my hand. Here's Josh right here. Right now where Josh is standing, where I'm standing, which is easier, me to pull him up on this stage or him to pull me down? If we both pull as hard as we can, even though I'm clearly much stronger than him, okay? <laughs> Most likely he's going to pull me down. Why? He's got something on his side. What's on his side? It's gravity. Gravity is on. Thank you very much. Good, good job. Very good job. Thank you, Josh. Okay. Yeah. You were the evil guy for today, okay? He's got gravity on his side. And I tell you, you got gravity working against you in life. Life is not helping you to become a greater person. Life is not helping you to be a, a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better father, a better mother, a better child, a better employee. All the things that are in life are against you. So just the natural state of life is going to pull you down. You got to be careful about who you lock arms with. Because it will be always easier. If me and you are climbing up a mountain, it will always be easier for you to pull me down than me to pull you up. And that's why this verse says, do not be deceived. See, as I'm talking right now about unfriending, there's little thoughts inside your heads. There's little Holy Spirit working inside your, inside your heart. And that little Holy Spirit is saying to you, hey, you know what? This makes sense. I think he's talking about this person in your life. you got to be careful with this. These ladies that are always bashing their husbands, they're no good. These guys are always looky-looky at uh, whatever. That's no good. These people are always complaining, always negative. There's a little voice inside you saying this might not be true. But then what do you do? You shut that little voice up and say, no, 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 no. Father Anthony doesn't know me. I'm strong. Hey, know me. I'm the rock. I, oh, I, nobody influence me. I influence others. And besides, we've been friends forever. We've been, that's the worst one. We've been friends forever. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying the first step is do not be deceived. Stop lying to yourself. I'm not saying it's easy what to do. We'll figure out what to do. But I'm saying the first step is be honest with yourself and say to yourself, this person is pulling me down. This person, last week we talked about community and what community is and how we lift each other up and how we encourage and how we take off our socks together, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And we talked about what that good feeling is when we're community. And we talked about the show Friends and why we all like friends and all that stuff. Well, you know there's people in your life that give you the exact opposite feeling. That you go out of that, you go into it feeling, I love God, I love life, like I'm encouraged, I have faith. And you come out of there feeling like life is the worst. I hate myself and I hate my boss and I hate everybody around me. You walk in there full of faith, you walk out of there, you don't even know if God exists. You walk into there feeling hopeful about life. And about your future, you walk out of there feeling discouraged. You know there's people in your life that are discouraging you, that are putting you into a negative spirit. First step is be honest. Do not be deceived. The guy down always has the advantage over the guy up. So we should just drop those friends? Is that what you're saying? That's it? We declare war on all the bad influences? Look, that's why I'm saying this is not an easy answer. If you hear everything that I say, and you walk out of here and say, that's it, you, 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 you're out of my life. You're no good. Y'all pull me, y'all are turkeys. All right, I'm going to go be friends with greater people. If that's what you hear, then you're missing, you're missing the tension that I'm talking about. Because the same one who said, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. 
is the same one who said, you see the world around you is full of darkness. You go be the light to that world. Wait, which one is it? Is it do not evil company corrupts good habits? Or is it go be a light to the world? Is it, there's a verse that says, do not be unequally yoked. Like believers and unbelievers. Don't be too close with people who don't share the same beliefs. So that says that. Then there's another verse that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples. So which one is it? Am I supposed to go into the world or avoid the world? Am I supposed to be a light to the world? Or am I supposed to hide away from the world and protect myself? What's the answer? This ain't math class. I already told you, we're in English. There's no right answer. It's this attention. This is, a, 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 we have to find that gray area. And there's no clear-cut answer of everyone is, is, is in our life or everyone is out of our life. I think the answer to the question of should we leave our friends or stick with our friends, I think the answer is should we do this or should we do this, I think the answer is yes, we should do both. And here is how I would say it is that I can love everyone the same without treating everyone the same. You agree or disagree? I can love everyone the same without treating everyone the same. Parents, you have more than one kid, you agree with me. You agree with me. Because you love them the same, but you don't treat them the same. You got one boy, you got one girl. The boy needs, the girl needs, you love them both the same, but you may not treat them the same. The key to me is understanding something I call circles of influence. And what I mean by this is if you look at these circles, look at yourself as the core in the middle right there, and that's who you are on the inside. The different levels of circles are different relationships in your life. Going out is love. You love everyone, no matter who they are, at whatever level they may be. Going in is influence. And the people that I'm going to bring closer to me means the people who I'm going to give more influence over my life. At all levels, I will love. I will love people who are my enemies at the furthest level. I will love people who are close to me. I will love every single person. But I will not allow every single person to influence me and influence my life. I will protect my core because it's my core that actually gives me the ability to love. Think of it like a tree with roots in the ground. The further I want the tree to reach, the more I have to protect the roots from having the negative stuff. But if negativity gets in the roots, it's going to stop the tree from being able to reach. If we allow negativity, bitterness, anger, impurity, like whatever, all those bad influences into our core, it is going to stop us from being able to love the way Jesus wants us to love. So that's why in order to fulfill the commandment to love and to reach out, we must protect the core and make sure that it is pure. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example to make this clear because I was kind of a confusing topic. Look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? Did he love everybody or did he protect his core? What did he do? Both. Jesus had different levels of relationships with people. And it was, he didn't treat them all the same. Doesn't mean he didn't love them. He loved them all the same. But if you start from outside in, Jesus had a relationship with the Pharisees, his enemies, people who tried to kill him. How would you characterize that relationship? Love. He loved them. Love to them needed to be spoken the truth. And he spoke the truth to them in love. Jesus had a relationship with the multitudes. And he fed the multitudes. Actually, we read that earlier this morning about how he fed the multitudes with the five loaves and the two fish. And he loved them. But then Jesus had 
a slightly different relationship with the multitudes than he had with like the 70 disciples. And then he had like the 12 apostles. Even the 12 apostles, three out of them were kind of like his inner circle, like his cabinet, Peter, James, and John. And then even amongst the three of them, he kind of had one who was really, really, really close to him. Loving the one or the three or the 12 didn't stop him from loving the 70 or the multitudes or the Pharisees. He loved them all equally, but he didn't treat them all the same. When it came time, like I said, the multitudes were hungry. Jesus said, give them bread and fish to eat. But then when it came time for Jesus to have the last supper, he said, this is an intimate moment in my life. I need only the people around me who are, who are in that intimate circle. He said to the multitudes, no. He said to the 70, no. He said, just the 12. And then even after he had the last supper, he took the 12 and he said, you three, Peter, James, and John, I need to go pray in the garden of Gethsemane. You three come with me. And then he finally went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, even those three didn't go, just one. John went, and what did he do with John? He said to John, to his mother, Virgin Mary, he said, John, you take care of her, and you take care of him. He gave his mother to one. Does that mean he didn't love Peter and James the same? Or what about Matthew? Or what about the multitudes? Or what about the Pharisees? Look, Jesus treated them different. Absolutely, he treated them different. But he loved them all the same. And that's the tension that exists in our lives. To love everyone the same, but not treat them the same. The closer you get to the core, the more critical it is that that person on the inside is like-minded. That's why the most important thing, like you think about your core, Jesus is at our core. Okay, we love him. He's our God. He's number one. So anyone who's going to come into that core needs to have a similar attitude, has to have a similar belief. And that doesn't mean that we don't love the whole wide world who has different beliefs, but that means that's when the verse talks about do not be unequally yoked. Because you can't let somebody in and be your intimate friend when they don't have the same mentality that we have. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you forget about Jesus for a second. How about my wife? You and I cannot be best friends if you don't like my wife. Like, I love you and I care about you, but you're not coming over for sleepovers. Okay? Because my wife is is very important to me. And if you don't love her, you and I, like, there's going to be a distance between us. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean I don't care about you. That just means that you can't be on that inner circle necessarily because I have to protect my inside. So maybe for you, maybe the answer isn't unfriend or best friend. Maybe there's that gray area in between. Or maybe some people need to be redefined and where they fit along the line here. Make no mistake, some people need to be unfriended. Like don't, 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 don't take the easy route and say, yes, he just said, re-. no, some people need to be unfriended. But not everyone needs to be unfriended. Some need to be redefined. That's something that I can't, again, it's not a math equation. I can't answer it. But something each of us needs to take seriously. Practically, how to, how to live this practically. Like what I want you to do practically. Two, two things, all right? Two commitments that we need to make today to God. Two commitments we make it to ourselves, to God, to one another. I will never let friends distract me from God's plan. That's number one. I will not let friends distract me from God's plan. And if this friend continues to distract me, they're going to move to an outer circle. I will still love them, but I cannot continue to allow them to distract me from the plan that God has for my life. Because that plan is too great and is too sweet. Earlier I said Jesus had his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. All right, let's talk about Peter right now. Peter was one of the inner three circle, like one of the closest people to Jesus. Peter was the leader of the twelve. 
And he was the one who, 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 who was the first one to say, Jesus, you're the son of God. And Jesus said to him, you're Peter, you're this rock, I'm going to build my church on you. Peter was like a leader. But there was a point in time where Peter became a distraction to the plan of God for Jesus. We read the story in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus started to tell his disciples, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be with you for much longer. I'm going to go and be crucified. I'm going to be killed. And Peter, full of good intentions, said, never, not on my watch, Lord. I'm going to take out the bad guys. I'll never let that happen to you. Look what Peter said. Next verse. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He rebuked him. He said, never. He said, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And Peter, thinking that he's being saved in the day, rips off the shirt and has the S of Superman. I'm going to save the day. Never, Jesus, is going to happen to you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. You can count on me. What did Jesus say to him? But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's the, the, the old school unfriend button. Okay? Get behind me, Satan. All right? If you want to tell your friend that you're serious, you call them Satan, okay? You say, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me because you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. Excluding the get behind me, Satan part, okay? Are there some people in life you need to say this to? Excluding the Satan part, okay? We'll save that one, okay? Don't, let's just leave that one aside, okay? But are there some people in life but you need to say, you are not mindful of the things of God. You're an offense to me. You see, God has this plan for me. I said earlier, like the debt thing, okay? Because I know this is a big problem for young people. Like God has this plan for me. I want to be debt-free. I, I don't want to always be living paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to always be in, 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 in debt and credit card. Like I, I want to I reach this. And every time I hang out with you, you are a distraction to me. You are distracting me and pushing me towards materialism and to spend my money. And you are not helping in God's plan. So I need to distance myself from you a little bit. I love you. I care about you. We are boys or girls or whatever. But I can no longer spend every Friday night with you because you are a distraction. Because every time I'm with you, you're pulling me away. Let's say, even forget about, like, uh, I'm saying eating healthy. A good thing. You say, you know what? I want to eat healthy. I want to get myself into shape. I want to look like Father Anthony one day. So... <laughs> You, this is like, this is something that's good. And this is something that God wants for you. God wants you to take care of your body as the temple of God. But every time you're with this group, it's, it's like I said, to eat donuts like it's a hobby. Like, like it's, it's their job to eat donuts this way. So you, I can't, I can no longer continue to spend every weekend with you because you are not mindful of the things of God. See, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for my marriage. And bashing my husband every time he's not around is not part of the plan. So if every time I'm with you, all we're going to do is bash our husbands, I have to distance myself. If every time I'm with you, all we're going to do is talk bad about the boss, i got to distance myself. Because you are distracting me from the plan that God has for me. Again, I think back to this earlier, earlier in my life, back when I was in college. I lived, this is, I lived in a house with eight guys. Okay, I think I mentioned it to you before. It wasn't the most pristine of homes, okay, when we were in college. We were eight guys, okay? We were eight guys. They were the best, okay? And I love all these guys. And we were boys for years. 
But this was really the time when I was in my, my third and fourth year of college that I made a change in my life. All right, and that's where I decided. That's exactly like this. Is I felt like, you know what, here's the group going over here. I feel like I, I, I need to start going this way. And for a long time, you know how it goes. You try to kind of keep one foot on both sides, right? You try to keep, you know what I'm saying? Like you try to walk over here, but try to walk over here. And it came a point in time where I realized that I can no longer, I had to make a choice. And I fought it as much as I could. And I remember at the time, this is now into my fourth year, all right, I started coming home every weekend. Y'all remember last week I told y'all how I started to find friends in the church, all right? It was during that time that I started to find friends here in the church, and, but I had my friends in school, and the two were going in the different direction. I kept it as long as I could, but it came a point in time where I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember I used to come home on the weekends, and they used to, like, say, like, hey, we're doing this on Saturday. And I say, well, you know, I'm going to go home. And they say, okay, they're nice. They don't really, I mean, they're whatever. And I say, the next weekend, hey, we're doing this on Friday. I say, yeah, actually, I'm going to go home this weekend on Friday. They say, but we just went home. And they never said anything bad. And they never badmouthed me or church or anything like that. But it just became clear the roads were diverging. And I remember specifically, there's one time I remember very, very vividly, I made a decision that I'm going to walk this way. I'm not going to let them distract me anymore. And I remember one time vividly, I came home after the weekend. All right, and I came home Sunday night. And to say that our house was trashed, like the, the trash can was like, I don't want to go near this house. It was the most disgusting place I've ever been in my life. And I remember walking in and being like, like what is this disgusting in here? And they said, oh, yeah, we didn't clean up from the party last night. I was like, what are you talking about? What party last night? And they said, the one we've been talking about for the past three weeks. And that's when it hit me. It clicked that what I did worked. It worked. It was an intentional decision that I said, I cannot allow you to distract me anymore. And it got to the point where there were major events going on in my house, which I didn't even know about. Not that I didn't attend. I didn't even know about. Looking back, I don't know where I would have been if I didn't make that decision, but I guarantee you I wouldn't be here. I don't know where I would have been, but I guarantee you I wouldn't be here. If I didn't make an intentional decision at that moment in time that they are going the different direction. And you know what? I love those guys. And to this day, you know, I haven't seen them in several years, but even after we graduate, I became a priest and all that stuff, we'll get together, we'll play ball, okay? We'll watch uh, a movie together, watch TV. Like, that's basically what our relationship became. So I redefined it. I didn't say, like, no, forget about you forever. Some of them I did. But I kept in touch with some of them, and our relationship just became redefined. And it just became basically we play basketball together. And we joke around, and that's fine. I redefined it. I put a distance there. I moved into this outer circle. Still love and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't make that decision. And you, down the road, five years from now, who are you going to not be because of your inability to make a decision today? Something that y'all need to think about. Number one, I won't let friends distract me from God's plan. And number two, I won't let friends continually tempt me to sin. Key word here is continually. Because I don't want anybody to say, so-and-so tempted. Like, we all make mistakes. I'm not saying somebody makes a mistake and gossiped one time and we exclude them out. I'm not saying it like that. But I'm saying there are people that continually tempt me to sin. We're going to go to the Old Testament here. We're going to go to the story of a guy named Joseph. Joseph was a righteous man who was living in an unrighteous place. He was living in the house in Egypt in the house of a man named Potiphar. 
Potiphar was his master. Joseph was like a servant. Joseph was worked his way up the, 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 the chain, the totem pole, and he became one of the best servants, one of the highest servants. Potiphar, his master, loved him. But so did Potiphar's wife, apparently. One day, Potiphar's wife gave him the googly eyes, and she looked at him and said, Hey, stud. She said to him, Hey, are you religious? Because you look like you're the answer to my prayers. <laughs> Hashtag cheesy Valentine's Day pickup lines. <laughs> That's not exactly what she said, but it's the modern version. She said this in Genesis 39, verse 11. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside that she, Potiphar's wife, caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. What she said was actually much worse than what I said. She grabbed him, said, Hey, and then he ran like the wind. Notice what he did not do. What did he not do? Say, Lord, you have sent me to be a light to this woman. <laughs> so I will preach to her the good news of the gospel. He didn't say, let's pray. He didn't tell her Bible verses. He didn't say, you should listen to this sermon from Father Anthony. It's great. He ran like the wind because he knew that this friend, Potiphar's wife, was continually tempting him, and she was not going to stop. And being around her was directly threatening his ability to be a, live a pure life, live a righteous life, to do what it is that he wanted to do. So he ran. I said earlier, you don't need to run from your friends. You don't need to unfriend. You might need to redefine. But you might need to unfriend. And here's my question to you, that you tried to redefine. And Potiphar's wife, just so you know what they say, is Potiphar's wife, they didn't just come to Joseph this one time and say, lie with me. What the, the uh, commentators and the historians say is that most likely that she was a very friendly lady with all the gents in the house, and she had made advances at him many times, and he said no, and no, and no, and no, and then finally she cornered him, and that's why the situation, that's why he took off exactly like he did. So she was continually tempting him. So what he said is, lady, we need to redefine our relationship. Lady, I'm going to work over here. Lady, I'm going to work in the middle of the night. Lady, I'm going to stay away from you. And then finally, she cornered him and said, there's no other choice. So Joseph said, you know what? I'm going to run like the wind. And Joseph, career-wise, bad decision. You messing with the boss's wife. You're upsetting her, and this got Joseph in trouble. He ended up in, actually, actually ended up in jail after this because basically the wife said that, you know, he tried to seduce her. She lied. Okay, and then he, she's the boss's wife, so you have to believe her, so he puts Joseph in jail. Career-wise, bad move. But hey, I got to keep that core clean. And if it takes unfriending, unfriend. We all know people in our lives that continually tempt us to sin. I shouldn't say we all know. I shouldn't say it that way. But as I'm talking... There are probably people in your life that you know are tempting you to sin continually. And like I said, whether it's bad-mouthing behind people's backs, whether it's gossiping, whether it's looky-looky at what I'm looking at over here, there are people in our lives that we need to hit unfriend. And we need to learn from the example Joseph did. 
Joseph showed us that there's nothing more valuable to us than keeping ourselves pure, keeping ourselves righteous. That means that we just lost a gym buddy because every time I go to the gym with his buddy, all we're doing is looking and talking and glancing. I lost a gym buddy. I go to the gym by myself. That means I lost a lunch friend because all we do is bad mouth and gossip. I lost a lunch friend. Whatever it takes will not allow my friends to continually tempt me. Look, why I'm, 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 I'm speaking so passionately about this, like I said at the beginning, you cannot live the right life if you have the wrong friends. You want to honor God with your life? You cannot live God-honoring if your friends are not God-honoring. You want to live a righteous life? You cannot live a righteous life if those people who are on that inner circle are not living a righteous life. So what you are doing is selling yourself short by continuing those friendships. You show me your friends, I show you your future. You are selling yourself short, and you are putting a limit on what God will do in your life. I brought the verse one more time. You walk with the wise, you become wise. You walk with idiots, you become an idiot. You tell me what it is you want to become. And like I said, you're going to paint me this great picture of what you want to become. Then you have to start making the appropriate decisions when it comes to your relationship to help you get there. Is this easy? It's not easy. Like I said in the beginning, I told you up front, this is the hardest one. I told you I don't have easy answers for you. I wish I could give you a checklist. If the friend meets five out of these ten criteria, unfriend them. I wish I could say that, but I can't. There's a tension. You walk out of here and say, I'm going to just be by myself, and no one's going to come near me to defile me. Then you missed everything that I talked about. You missed everything, because that wasn't who Jesus was. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And Jesus was someone who retreated from the multitudes to be alone with God. Then he had his alone time with his three, his 12. But then he used that to be able to go and feed the multitudes and do the miracles and even go to the Pharisees and speak to the Pharisees. But then he always knew when to retreat and he always knew when to be by himself. It's the balance. That's why I'm saying is there's no easy answer here. But the bottom line is the further you want your reach to be, the more critical it is that you protect the roots. If your aspiration in life is here, I say it doesn't matter. But if you are aspiring to be this, then it's that much more important what you put inside. This is the goal that Jesus gave to us. John 13. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I know it sounds contradictory, and it sounds like I'm speaking opposites, but the truth is the only way that you will be able to fulfill this commandment of reach, reaching far, to love every single person, and to love them with the love of Christ is if you learn how to keep that inner core pure and undefiled, and you learn how to keep like-minded people on that inner circle, and you protect yourself from the people that will distract you, that will pull you down, that will continually tempt you to sin. I believe very much that God has a very high calling for us. For me, for you, for your marriage, for your children, for your future. God has a high calling. God has called us to be eagles. If God is going to call us to be eagles, then we need to start cutting some turkeys out of our life so we can live that way. All right? Let's stand up together and say a prayer.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you from the depth of our heart that you love us so much and that you call us to a, a great calling. Lord, we want to be able to achieve this calling and we want to make some changes in our lives, the changes that we try and try and try and every time we seem to fail. Lord, help us to make some of these tough decisions. Give us wisdom to understand the tension here and to know when to cut, when to redefine. Give us the wisdom, Lord, to know these things because we can't do it on our own. But we pray that you would help us, Lord, and give us the strength and the courage to do like Joseph did, to be able to leave the situations that, that, that are pulling us in the wrong direction. I pray, Lord, as we wrap up this series, that you'd really help us all as a church and as members of your body to get our relationships in order, to be able to get our relationship with you in order first and, fo first and foremost, and then our relationship with one another that we'd always love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then love one another as ourselves. And by this, everyone will know that we are your disciples. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Just a quick reminder, I will not be here next week, but we'll have a special guest. Father Mark Hanna will be coming to visit us and speaking about some uh, experiences that he's had. But I will see you all in two weeks. Have a great week.